today on The One Upbeat. It's our annual Best of the Year show. We're going to do things a little differently this year and cover a very wide variety of the best scores from 2022. In this episode, you'll hear music from Jason Graves, Inun Zur, Hirokazu Ando, and many, many more. This is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. 2022 was an interesting year in gaming for a variety of reasons. You have everything from the availability of consoles after two years, game releases, delays, and announcements. One thing the year wasn't lacking was great music from all genres. Putting together this show for the best of the year was harder than anyone I've done in previous years. Outside of the top three, which were really solid choices, and all could have convincingly been the best score of the year, I've had about 20 game scores floating around in my head as potential for the best 10 of the year. I wish I could cover all these games, and a few more, in the depth that I usually do, but your time is very valuable, and I appreciate it, so I don't want to ask you to stick around for five to six hours of radio to get the full experience. So instead of doing four long shows playing music from the best of the year, we're going to go through things a little more loosey-goosey than we usually do. We're going to hit each noteworthy game in release date order with some comments and a tiny bit of music, maybe a track or two at most. Then, after playing a track from each of the other games, we're going to visit the top three in the traditional format. So let's get started. Our first stop through the year takes us to February 4th, 2022, with Dying Light 2, Stay Human. While the game itself reviewed fairly well, the original score by French composer Olivier de Riviere is spectacular like always. Just about everything de Riviere writes for games is at the very least absolutely fantastic. He blends solid as hell orchestrations with modern sounds in a way that you'll instantly understand when you hear it. It's a modernity that moves things forward, both in terms of musical style as well as in the medium itself. You never feel like you're waiting around for the next thing to happen in the piece, and more scores that sound like this would make for a much more interesting game music genre. Here's Rushing from Dying Light 2, Stay Human.
Later the same month, on February 22nd, legendary electronic composer Yuzo Koshiro returned with the score to the Platinum Games arcade shoot-em-up game Soul Cresta. Koshiro's score is a return to form with that glorious 80s and 90s electronic style that has gotten out of fashion as much as the shoot-em-up genre itself has. The good news is that Koshiro's electronic composing chops haven't missed a beat. While the music invokes that 80s style, Koshiro says he added a Neo style to it. This was done to complement the fact that Soul Cresta is considered neo-classic arcade. You'll hear what he means by this when we listen to the track Empty Sun from the Soul Cresta original soundtrack, with Yuzo Koshiro gracing our ears with a sound that hasn't been authentically presented in a very long time. Our next game takes us to March 16th with Tunic. Tunic was a sort of indie darling of the year, a very modern version of a 2D Zelda gameplay, puzzle solving and light combat. I myself haven't gotten through the game yet, but the music is very interesting. It's a very ambient style, a mix of electronic and orchestral depending on the track. Normally I'm not into this sort of thing, the ambient stuff is nice in games, but it gets boring on its own after a while. I put on the soundtrack to listen to it anyway, 
and over the 178 minutes, I surprisingly never got bored. I wanted to hear more. I wanted to hear where the music took me. Like Derivier's music, Tunic's soundtrack actually feels like it's going somewhere all the time, like it has somewhere to take you, and isn't just walking around in circles and will abandon you to nothingness. So let's take a listen to one of the more electronic tracks that I really like. This is The Scavenger from Tunic, by Lifeformed and Janice Kwan. Two days later, we're up to March 18th now, saw the release of Siberia, The World Before. The game is the fourth in the series, which started 20 years prior in 2002. Late in the game's development, series creator Benoist Sokel passed away from a long-term illness. The game was dedicated to him, and I'd imagine that would make this the last entry in the series. Siberia is a classic adventure game, and as with Siberia 2 and 3, Israeli composer Inon Zor compose the score. It's really a shame it's taken so long to cover his music on the show. He's a fantastic composer. His involvement in games goes back to the turn of the century, and he's been very involved with the, with the Fallout and Dragon Age series. In 2023, he'll give musical voice to Bethesda's Starfield, the first big new series from the developer in many, many years. Zor's music for Siberia, the world before, is absolutely beautiful, tragic, so beautiful that it becomes bittersweet when you consider the behind-the-scenes events that suggest that this might be the last time he'll compose for the series.
a week after Siberia, we tonally take a turn in the complete opposite direction with Kirby in the Forgotten Land. While the game itself is a big deal for the series in that it's the first time that a Kirby game has moved past being a side-scroller and now opens up in an almost Super Mario 3D World sort of way, the music is mostly standard, meaning it's absolutely fantastic and bursting at the seams with creativity. The only real innovation musically, if you can call it that, is the inclusion of a very uplifting vocal song to open the game. The fun thing Kirby games always do musically is state a main theme from the outset, and from there, most tracks in the game are a sort of spin-off of that main theme, remixing it in all sorts of ways, giving the player a feeling of familiarity and a sort of musical home base. The track Welcome to the New World is that track. It has an obvious double meaning, both introducing you to where the game takes place, but also as a musical way of introducing you to this new world of Kirby games where you can run around all over the place and defeat enemies with the full freedom of movement. We're going to play both the vocal song and the track The Battle of Blizzard Bridge, which just goes to show how bonkers Kirby music can get. Wait till you hear how Welcome to the New World is iterated on here. Enjoy.
probably the best game on PlayStation VR, Moss, received a sequel in 2022. It was a bit worrying that it came out right after eyes started looking over at PlayStation VR 2, and people were ready to leave the first headset behind. Luckily, the game will have a shot on PSVR 2 as well. Regardless, part of what made the game so beautiful was its original score by composer Jason Graves. Sometimes, when you hear about a sequel, you just know that you're in for a guaranteed treat when you know the original game's composer is back on for more. It was the case for the two Ori games and Gareth Coker's scores for those, and I'll bring up another case later on in the show. Graves' soundtrack just nails the series of wonderment and awe of the world within the game. I think I've said it before, but I'll say it again just to reiterate. Jason Graves is far and away one of the best composers in the business right now.
The only game of the year on the show today that came out in May is called Arma Reforger. It's a sort of prelude to Arma 4. The Arma series of first-person tactical shooters, which began in 2006, has a hardcore following. Reforger is almost a tech demo for Armor 4, with an all-new engine. Obviously not a gigantic game, but it did give us just under 25 minutes of new music. Most of the tracks are very short, about a minute long each. A lot of them sound like intros to things happening more than the score of the main event. I'm making it sound like it's not much, but the orchestrations are fantastic. It really brings me back and makes me nostalgic for the turn-of-the-century film music. One of the biggest musical surprises for me came in June of 2022. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge released, acting as a follow-up to the old 80s and 90s Konami Turtles arcade games. It's about as wonderful as you can imagine, if you can imagine it. If you know anything about those old arcade games, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The music is by T. Lopes. I was about to call him up and coming, but I think he's beyond that at this point. The guy is a verified awesome composer after writing for Sonic Mania and Streets of Rage 4, and him coming on for Turtles was a reason to be excited. That excitement was definitely warranted, and we're all better off for it.
One of the least surprising pleasures of the year, also in June, was the release of the long-awaited downloadable content for Cuphead called The Delicious Last Course. It was a long time coming. Cuphead itself was announced in 2010 and finally released in 2017. Then it was a long five years until the DLC. Anyone who has played Cuphead knows that it was worth the wait. The beautiful classic animation style and the music by Christopher Madigan is true artisanship. When I mentioned earlier talking about Moss 2 and how there's just some games that release and you know what you're getting yourself into and that it'll be high quality, I wasn't even talking about the Delicious Last Course, but it's 100% applicable here. I don't know if I said it during my first Best of the Year show, but I always hesitate to award DLC scores in these shows because if the main game has great music, it's usually the case that the DLC does too, so it has to be really good to make note on the show. Madigan's music for Cuphead is so obviously applicable here. Similar to my stance on DLC music in the Best of the Year Awards, 
new music from remakes of old games I also don't love featuring on the Best of the Year show. It's usually just rearranged versions of the same music. The case of Live Alive is a bit unique, though. Live Alive was an old Super Famicom game that only released in Japan, developed by Squaresoft. The music was the first big project given to Yoko Shimomura when she joined the company. The new remake, which came out in July of 2022 on Nintendo Switch, redid the graphics into the new HD 2D style, and redid the soundtrack as well, under the supervision of Shimomura. So why does this remake matter besides being a beautiful version of a very beautiful game? It's the first time the game came to the West, giving the rest of the world an opportunity to play an absolutely fantastic RPG. What? Did he actually have a good time with an RPG? That's right. I played the game all the way through, and it was an absolutely incredible experience. RPGs were just made different back then. We're going to take a quick break here, just a little over halfway through the year, and come back next time for the second half of the year. And by second half, I mean September through November. So until then, I hope you'll tune in when we return, and thank you for listening to this episode of The One Upbeat. Thank you for listening to the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers you hear throughout the program and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And wherever you're listening to us today, please take a moment right now to leave us a rating and a review of the podcast. You can get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt at our Tee Public store. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. And don't forget to check us out on the web at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>